Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekretman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. Back after our Sukkot Tabernacles holiday break. How was your holiday, David? It was great. As you know, I'm the executive director for the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding Cooperation, and we had a special event on Sukkot with the Christian organizations that are headquartered here to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles together. We had the Portnoy Brothers I should say Portnoy, they dropped their brothers. They're still brothers, Mendy and Surly, but they got together and they helped us celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, I'm confused about this. They're, they're still brothers, but they're not. They're still no brothers, longer... but they're not called the Portnoy brothers. Oh, it's a PR move. It's a PR move. Got they're it. just called Portnoy. Oh, okay. That's okay? the name of their band. That's the name of their duo. I got it. Yeah, they're the dynamic duo. And they have been our Orthodox worship team for the last few years. We had something called the Day de Praise where we bring Christians to celebrate Israel's Independence Day with the Jewish people by reciting Hallel, Psalms 113 to 118. But it all began with the Feast of Tabernacles. This whole idea came about when I was at Oral Roberts University. God put into my heart that we should begin to fulfill Psalm 117, and we began in Feast of Tabernacles 2014, which then transformed to Israel's Independence Day. And it's turned into a much bigger movement than you probably even dreamed. There are people reciting the Hallel Psalms on Israel's Independence Day everywhere in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, United States, and Samoa. Wow. I mean, you should be really proud of that. Listen, I, I'm very humbled that I serve a greater calling than I can ever imagine in my entire life. I'm just a simple servant of God, moving the baton of the kingdom of heaven on earth a little closer where it needs to be. I think if I made a joke after that, that would be sacrilegious. So let's just move straight into our topic for today. We're going to be talking about what's called in Hebrew the Egel Hazahav, the golden calf, one of the most infamous episodes in the entire Bible. Yeah, it seems to be a stain on Jewish history. Scott, in fact, we don't use a shofar from a bull. For this exact reason. For this exact reason. So we shouldn't have any indication to that sin, that collective sin, on one of the most sacred holidays on the Jewish calendar. Yeah, right, on Rosh Hashanah. In fact, also on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, even though during the year, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, would wear golden vestments when he was doing his special avodah, his special worship service in the temple in Jerusalem, on the Day of Atonement, the unique service that's only done on that day is done in exclusively white garments, plain white garments. And when our sages were asked why, with the Kohen Gadol, this high priest, not wear the beautiful golden vestments, they answered with a Hebrew phrase, Ein kategor na'ase sanigor. The accuser can't also be the defense attorney. The golden vestments would remind us and God, so to speak, of the golden calf. And accordingly, when we're asking for forgiveness, we don't wear them. We say, put those aside. Today is a day for the defense attorney, and the prosecutor can't become the defense attorney. Now, lest anyone misunderstand me, I will say that yes, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest also wore golden vestments. However, he only wore those when doing the Avodah, the worship service that was typical of other days of the year. When he did the special, unique, one-time-a-year service of Yom Kippur, those were done exclusively in white garments, not in golden vestments. In our collective mind, we know that the stain of the golden calf still haunts us today. We know 
in Exodus chapter 32, that God did not destroy his people. In his great mercy, he sporadically punished the Jewish people throughout history based upon that sin that we did. That's a Jewish tradition. Right. In fact, it's almost that every time the Jewish people collectively sin, God also recalls their original sin of the golden calf as being a part of that, perhaps leading to it on some subconscious or spiritual level. I thought it would be a great idea, Scott, that we would discuss this golden calf episode, because from this sacred text, we learn about how to be an intercessor. I think most people would assume, David, that Jews don't usually have intercessors. We have a direct line to God, and we don't believe that we have to rely on an angel or our patriarchs to be intercessors for us. Most people would think of intercession as a Christian idea rather than a Jewish idea. In fact, I would disagree with that. It's totally a Jewish idea, and this episode of The Golden Calf will demonstrate that Moses was an intercessor for his people. Interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. I'm Scott Kahn. I'm David Nekrutman, and blessings from Jerusalem.